thrilled you're here. I'm Pastor Dave, in case we haven't met, and I'm glad to, that you chose on this day to come and worship with us. We're hoping that you have an opportunity to greet those around you. In fact, will you take a moment, just hug on, love on someone, and our worship team is gonna continue in worship just for a few more moments. Uh, love on someone, and we'll start back in worship in just a moment. Join in with me as we continue in praise and worship. When the weight of life begins to fall On the name of Jesus I recall For I know my God is in control And His purpose is unshakable It doesn't matter what I feel, it doesn't matter what I see, my hope will always be your promises to me. Now I'm casting out all fear, for His love has set me free, my hope will always be your promises to me. As I walk into the days to come I will not forget what you have done For you have supplied my every need And your presence is enough for me It doesn't matter what I feel it doesn't matter what I see, my hope will always be your promises to me. Now I'm casting out all fear, for your love has set me free. My hope will always be your promises to me. Always be more than enough for me. 
enough for me Nothing's gonna stop the plans you made Nothing's gonna take your love away You will always be more than enough for me You will always be more than enough for me You will always be more than enough for me Nothing's gonna stop the plans you made Nothing's gonna take your love away You will always be more than enough for me It doesn't matter what I feel It doesn't matter what I see My hope will always be Your promises to me Now I'm casting out all fear Your love has set me free my hope will always be your promises to me. Now I'm casting out all fear, whose love has set me free. My hope will always be your promises to me. And Lord God, we thank you that your promises are a yes and amen. And we walk in those promises. We thank you today in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. amen. Pastor Dave. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Pastor Dennis. Thank you, worship team. It's good to be in God's house. Amen? Amen. 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 Good to see you, Wayne. A uh, couple quick announcements as ushers are coming forward. First of all, if you're a junior higher or if you feel like you're junior high age and you'd like to join the junior hires, you can't. Only the junior hires get to go with Joel, and I think Jenny is over there as well. And uh, we're releasing you. God bless you. And uh, we're going to ask God's blessing this morning as we bring the tithes, the alms, and the offerings into the house of God. Thank you for your faithfulness. It's awesome to see. We've seen great things transpire as a result of your faithfulness. So because of you, amazing things are happening. And so Thank you again. Let's pray and ask the Lord's blessing this morning. Father, in the strong name of Jesus, we ask that, Lord, you would receive these gifts, that you would multiply them, that, Lord, you would use them for your glory and for your namesake. Father, as your children, as we walk in obedience to you, as we seek to honor you, to love you, and to follow your lead, God, will you take and bless every person in this space, all of our family, God, would you bless with abundance. Would you open up heaven's windows, heaven's doors, and pour out blessing. And so, God, be glorified as we, as we proclaim the gospel, as we, Lord, meet needs of those around us. And then, Father, as we seek to spread the good news of the gospel of Jesus across the globe, Lord, will you bless. We love you, we praise you, and give you thanks in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said a strong amen. amen. Thank you, brothers. You may serve us. That's awesome. So a couple of quick announcements. First, you see up at the podium here, if you're able to see kind of down on the ground here, I have a case of Top Ramen. I have some fruit cocktail. I think I have some cut green beans. I have some <laughs> cut green beans. Got a woo-hoo. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, we have some... Uh, 
Looks like we have spaghetti rings. We used to call those SpaghettiOs back in the day. You remember, if you're a SpaghettiOs with meatball kind of person, raise your hand. A little Parmesan cheese, and that is a meal in and of itself. All right, <laughs> I got an amen for that. Come on. All right, we have a box of mac and cheese. Here's what this is all about. We do backpack buddies, and honestly, it's because, again, of your faithfulness that we're able to serve families in our community. And we serve families at Sunnyside Elementary School, which has been our home for 14 years before we moved here to the middle school while they're under construction. And we've served and done meals on a weekly basis where we bring sack lunches that contain, or two, basically two sack lunches in each bag, and they're discreetly placed in some of the families, uh, some of the children's backpacks while they're out at recess so that when they come home on Friday... They'll have meals over the weekend guaranteed for them. And so there are, at Sunnyside Elementary School, it's like 50% and more are on free and reduced meals. And for some families that are identified, those meals that we supply and provide, that you supply and provide, they may be the only meals that those kids would get otherwise over the weekend. So I just want to say thank you. And we're collecting this kind of material and this kind of food and these kind of packages. And if you have some other ways of doing, you know, maybe it's cans of chili or some other good food. We're, is chili good food? I think it is. I eat chili. Can I get an amen? Uh, you know, food that you would eat that's non-perishable. We're collecting that. And we have Kevin and Chrissy Horn that are going to be taking that over to our Damascus campus. And then on a weekly basis, those are going to be put together. And 40 of those bags are going to be being delivered over to Sunnyside Elementary School. We're going to try and do an additional 10 bags at Oregon Trail. And we would like to increase and be able to go back to doing all of the uh, backpack buddies at the uh, Head Start program at Wichita. And so the more the more possible we can do. Can I get an amen? And so you can be bringing these in on a weekly basis. It would be marvelous if we kind of got them on the first Sunday of the month and we just kind of filled the platform and pile drove it in here and then we just collect all that stuff up, deliver it over there, and then they'd have material wherewith to make. Does that make sense? How many of you would say, I'd like to be a part of that and I'd like to get engaged and I'd like to bring some food because that's something I can do. Yeah, that's epic. Okay, so help us. You could be at Winco shopping and you see that peas, a cans of peas are on sale for 27 cents. I mean, that's an opportunity to buy a couple cases of those things, get them over here, put them on the stage. We'll even help carry them in from your car. So you just let us know and we'll be a part of that. That'd be great. Okay, thank you. Also want to mention to all of the men here, our Men of Valor Men's Retreat registration forms are available this morning. So all men, all men, if you're a man, say hoo-ah. Come on, that's right. Tim, I got that from your man. That was hoo-ah. That's all right. That's like gusto. That's good stuff. Hey, you want to grab this? Deeply Rooted is our theme. The dates are on the form, and I can't remember what the dates are. It's in April. There it is, April 20, I think it's like April 26th through the 28th. There you go. And there's an early bird special. You can even come out on the Thursday night. It's a few extra dollars. And uh, the good news is if you come on the early Thursday night and you let us know you're coming, there'll be like bratwurst and there'll be some chili and there'll be like food and fellowship. It's going to be a great time. So come out, be a part of it. And then today is our afterglow. Following service, we're going to break down just as quickly as we can, so if you can help us tear down chairs, we're inviting everybody 
It's going to be mayhem in the parking lot, but we're inviting everybody over to the Damascus campus. There's a pizza feed, and we're going to give an update on our campuses and what God has spoken to our hearts up to this point, and we're kind of excited about it. So we encourage you to come and be a part of that. Can I get an amen? Amen. 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 All right, one last announcement. I know, are you ready? Put your seatbelts on, because this one's, this one's big. Everyone say, big. Okay, when I ask you to say big, I want you to say it big. So say big on the count of three. One, two, three. Big. All right, it's big. So we have a monthly outreach that we do at Wichita. It's our Wichita dinner. And uh, Rhonda and the team has done an amazing job putting together this marvelous outreach at Wichita. And over the last two years, every single time we've done it, it seems like there's been expansive growth. To where this Christmas we had 120 guests. Yeah, I mean, wow is right. It's amazing. And it's like church for them. And it's like church for us. And we pray, we sing, we read scripture, we tell Bible stories. It's just an amazing opportunity for us. It's like our Wichita campus being developed right now. Now this week, one of our dear brothers and Rhonda connected with Northwest Family Services right over there off of 60th and uh, Linwood. And there's a possibility that our April dinner, which is on Good Friday, they've told us we could see as many as 250 people come to our dinner. So Wichita presently is freaking out, like we don't have space for all these folks. And so we're helping to calm the storm and letting them know it's just like renting this facility here. We'll, we'll do all the setup. We'll do all the teardown. But we really realize that we're going to need more family members to come and serve. Okay, now I know many of you have been serving at the warming centers. Adam, we've had night after night after night. Adam has told me at the warming centers, if there's one number that he never sees again in our numeric system is the number 33 because that's the trigger point for opening the warming centers. And we've been open literally every night for the last like three weeks in a row. It's, it's been amazing. And many of you have served. And we, we just, we say thank you for your service. I mean, from food to prayer to serving in one of those, uh, uh, one of the three shifts that we have. Thank you for your service. And we know there's a, a certain sense of being tired. If you're tired, raise your hand and say, man, I'm tired. Man, I'm tired. Okay, a couple of you worn out, about six of us. Uh, the rest of us still got the gusto. Okay, here's the deal. So, come April, we'll have more information, and we'll know that we know that we're going to have, you know, larger numbers, and so we're going to be looking for more volunteers. So I'm just asking you to prepare yourself to be ready to love on, to minister to, and to be a part of a marvelous family that is serving a marvelous community that has become our family. And it really is extra special. We're going to be sharing the gospel. I mean, it's Good Friday. It's the traditional day that we identify the crucifixion, but we're going to be focusing on the resurrection, and we're going to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, inviting people to know the Lord. And so will you be praying, and will you also be making yourself available? Can I get a hearty amen? Amen. 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 Praise God. Yes. Can I just add one thing? You can. Yes. If you're like me, you don't go to the grocery store. And auto parts don't work. Yeah. We just added a little extra to our offering. Amen. And, and marked on there for backpack burdens. 
Did you hear that? That was beautiful. If going to the grocery store is not your thing and picking up cases of food is not your thing, if you just want to add to your offering for Backpack Putty, just identify it on whatever method that you give, whether it's via check and the offering, cash in an envelope, the square, giving online. Let us know. We'll make sure that gets designated. Go to the Backpack Buddies. Thank you, Gary. That is awesome. All right. Let's turn in our Bibles. John chapter 5. We've been, we've been in a court session for the last, really for, this is the fourth week that we've been in court. And John chapter 5 is a unique portion of Scripture in that uh, Jesus has done a miraculous healing. In chapter 4, he went into Bethesda, this pool area in Jerusalem, and he healed a man on the Sabbath. And he told the man, arise, gather up your mat, and walk, which was now doing work on the Sabbath. And the healing was considered doing work on the Sabbath. And so the doctors of the law, the teachers of the law, they're like livid, number one, that someone, a rabbi, would violate the Sabbath laws as they understood the Sabbath law, and that he would instruct someone to violate the Sabbath. So, we rolled into chapter 5, and Jesus is going to give, if you will, his opening statement. His opening statements include, to tell you the truth, I am the Son of God. To tell you the truth, I am equal with God. To tell you the truth, I am the giver of life. To tell you the truth, I am the ultimate judge. And then, as the defense attorney, so to speak, he brings forth his witnesses, and he brings forth literally six witnesses. Now, from the Deuteronomy law, only two or three witnesses are required, but Jesus doubles the number, possibly triples the number. And so he says, look, I testify of myself, but you won't receive that as a valid testimony because it's only one in itself. He says, but I, there's a greater witness than mine. In fact, you sent out to John the Baptist... And he testified of me. In fact, you enjoyed his witness and his testimony up to a certain point. But when he declared that I was the son of God, you decided you weren't super happy about that. Then he says, but there's even a greater witness than John the Baptist. He says, look, the works that my father has sent me to do, those works, they testify of who I am and who sent me. And he says, furthermore, the Father in heaven testifies of me. And he said, and there's even another that testifies, the one whom you think you have salvation through. Moses, the one whom you're trusting, he testifies of me, for he wrote of me. And therefore, the sixth is the scriptures, for the scriptures declare who he is. Remember Psalm verse 40, or, uh, chapter 40, verse 7 says, the volume of the book is written of me. So six-fold witness. It's absolutely impeccably powerful. And then Jesus takes off his defense attorney hat and puts on his prosecuting attorney hat. And he begins to give his indictments. And there are 12 indictments in the portion of Scripture that we are looking at again this morning, verses 31 through 47, there are 12 indictments. 
I'm going to read the totality of the text again. It will be on the screen behind me, also in your Bibles, John chapter 5, verse 31 through 47. I'm reading from the New King James Version of the Bible. If I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. The word true there is valid. It means validity. And therefore, he's saying it's not valid because it is not backed up by more witnesses. John, John records for us later that Jesus does say that his own testimony is, in fact, valid. And I think it's in chapter 8. So he's just clarifying in this kangaroo court outside, this is the reality. I testify on myself, but you're not going to receive it. Verse 32, there, there is another who bears witness of me, and I know the witness which he witnesses of me is true. You have sent to John, and he has borne witness to the truth. Yet I, did not receive test, I do not receive testimony from man, but I say these things that you may be saved. Again, this is the mission of Jesus, that all men would be saved. All men would be saved. Peter records for us later, he says that it's God's will or God's desire that all men should come to the space of repentance and be born again, that they would be saved. Okay, so Jesus' mission, that all would be saved. He goes on to say, he, John the Baptist, was the burning and shining lamp, and you were willing for a time to rejoice in this light, but I have a greater witness than John's for the works which the Father has given me to finish. The very works that I do bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. Verse 37, and the Father himself who sent me has testified of me. You have neither heard his voice. Now, this is where the indictments begin, and I'll read it in the text, and then I'm going to read the 12 indictments. So, he says, uh, you have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his form, but you do not have his word abiding in you, because whom he sent, you do not him you do not believe. You search the scriptures, for in them you think that you have eternal life, and these are they which testify of me. But you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. I do not receive honor from men, but I know you, that you do not have the love of God in you. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, him you will receive. How can you believe who receive honor from one another and do not seek the honor that comes from the only God? Do not think that I shall accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, in whom you trust. For if you believed Moses, you would have believed me, for he wrote about me. But you do not believe his writings. How will you believe my words? So here are the 12 indictments. You have not heard his voice at any time. Incidentally, his voice is not like verbally heard necessarily. There were a few moments where his voice was heard. Some witnessed his voice, some heard something, but didn't ascertain. But the voice that we're talking about is when the scripture is read, it's the voice of God that's prompting the heart. The spirit of God from day one has been convicting and convincing the hearts of man. The scripture, Jesus tells us, the spirit of truth, he convicts the world with regards to sin, righteousness, and judgment. It's the voice of God. God has written his law upon our hearts that we know good and evil, and the spirit of God highlights those things so that when you and I go to do one thing that may be right or wrong, he's either gonna convince us that it's good or he's gonna convict us that we ought not do that. Does that make sense? That's hearing the voice. And he is saying, you've not heard that voice. 
You've just turned a deaf ear to it. The Spirit of God is speaking, and they're not listening. I could go into that more, but we won't look at that particular one. You have not seen his form. This is interesting because if you look in Romans chapter 1 and verse 20, it tells us that God's invisible qualities, even his divine nature, are clearly understood by the things that he has made. The invisible qualities are clearly seen and understood. And he says, you've not seen his form. Now, I'll just say to you and I, his form is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three in one. Listen, Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, that's time. God created the heavens, that's space, and the earth, that's matter. Space, matter, time, continuum. That's what you and I live in. It's called the universe. You cannot have one without the other. You cannot have, you cannot separate space from time or matter. It's impossible. It's three in one. They're distinctly different and yet necessitated on one another. Same quality, eternal in its aspect, if you will. And so all that to say, this, this divine form, it's clearly seen. And he says, you've not seen my form. You've not seen it. Life. You and I, we're made up of body, soul, and spirit, three in one. And yet they cannot comprehend because they will not look and see the form. You have not seen his form. Number three, you do not have his word abiding in you. And this is, the, this is the first indictment that we looked at last week. The first indictment we looked at last week. You, ha- you do not have his word abiding in you. And I say this to say because it's not a Jewish issue that Jesus is making an indictment toward. He's making an indictment toward humanity. And if your faith is in Jesus Christ today, thanks be to God. You've been redeemed. You've been justified. Your sin is forgiven. Can I get an amen? You are heaven bound. Hallelujah. I was at a memorial service yesterday for an amazing man, Ben Bloomdahl's grandfather, Bob Brzezak. 90, 90, Ben, how old? 90, 90. He was at the church that I met my wife at 35 years ago. That's half the time he was at that church. 70 years he served the Lord at that church. An amazing story. And he's in the presence of God now. Come on. I mean, the angels were rejoicing as he entered in. And he heard those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You and I, if we're born again, the word of God may still not be abiding in us. We must do something about that. We must saturate ourselves with the washing of the water of the word of God. We must let the word of Christ dwell richly in us. We must, like the psalmist said in Psalm 119, 111, thy word I have hidden in my heart that I may not sin against you. There's a, there's a work that's there. We hide that word. And so we looked at that intently. You do not believe whom he sent You don't believe me. That's what Jesus was saying. You don't believe the Messiah. Number five, you think you have eternal life. You think you have eternal life. Every one of these indictments, guys, we have to process internally because it's an issue of humanity. Even for those of us who are born again, we must 
We must be thinking and processing, do these apply? And to what measure do they apply? Because John's entire gospel, remember, John chapter 20, he tells us in verse 31 that his purpose for writing these things is that we would believe that he, Jesus, is the Son of God. He's the Son of God. And listen, if he is the Son of God, then what he has to say to you and me absolutely matters absolutely matters. And what he says, if he is the son of God, and we believe that means everything he said is absolute truth, which is epic. It's epic. Because he says, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Whatever you ask in my name, it shall be done for you. Theodore can testify to that. We prayed for him not three weeks ago. I mean, a divine providence of God's work. And the little boy comes home from the hospital. It's amazing. God is doing work. Number six, you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. Number seven, you do not have the love of God in you. Number eight, you do not receive me in my Father's name. If another comes in his own name, him you will receive. We'll look at that one next week. We'll look at that one next week because that has massive implication. Number nine, you, how can you believe who receive honor from one another? That's massive. We'll touch on that probably a little bit next week too. You do not seek the honor that comes from the only God. You have one who accuses you, Moses. And then he goes on to say the 12th. You do not believe Moses' writings, for if you did, you would believe my words. Today I want to just focus for just a few moments on number six. You are not willing to come to me that you may have life. Remember that John is writing this with a purpose. The Holy Spirit is directing his conversation, is directing what he is writing, and he's mounting up these indictments for a purpose. I believe that his purpose is that you and I also this day, just as they did in that day, they would reflect what is he actually saying. Because he's indicting their unbelief. And the truth of the matter is, sitting in this room, even though there's faith in this room for our salvation, many, if not all of us, to some degree, and believe me, this is, this is tearing this old boy apart. I've known the Lord for 35 years, and I'm discovering in my own life levels of unbelief. Like, I don't believe this. Because if I did, I would do it. Right? I mean, do I actually believe what this says? I feel like sometimes it's like that conversation, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Help me with my unbelief. Because on the one hand, I want to say, yeah, yes. But then I reckoned with the reality. I mean, when I went and I prayed for Floyd, I wanted to reach in and just grab by the hand and say, arise, gather up your bed and walk. Then the flood of unbelief came in. Are you with me? This is real deal stuff. And it's hard 
to reckon with the reality that there is unbelief in our hearts and we must put to death the deeds of the flesh, that the arguments, every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. I believe that he is wanting to do something for our faith. The Holy Spirit wants to do something for our faith. And I believe he wants to do that today. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. God wants to radically strengthen and grow our faith. I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful that God doesn't, he's not up in heaven just going, oh, there's Dave again, he just doesn't believe, squish, and mess with me. No, he's inviting us. He's inviting us to believe. I'm so thankful that he said to his own disciples that walked with him for three years, O ye of little faith, do you still not believe? Remember, remember Philip said, oh, Jesus, just show us the Father and that'll be enough. He says, Philip, Philip, Philip. He says, have you not been with me this long and you still? He says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I'm like, okay, I can identify with Philip, right? I mean, I'm comforted in that, and yet I'm not satisfied with that. I'm not satisfied. And so, I believe he wants to do something radical. And I believe that if there is an analysis of the unbelief in our own hearts, that God the Spirit would penetrate into the very heart of where we are and help us, help us to reckon with the Scripture and stand upon the Word of God and not stand in disbelief. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. John chapter 6 and verse 37 says, all that the Father gives me will come to me, and all who come to me I will by no means cast out. I believe that if we would just come to the Lord in the honesty of where we are, I'm thankful that he will in no way and no means cast us out. He loves us, he'll embrace us, and he'll reveal himself to us when we are honest and have integrity with him. He will begin to show us more and more. So I guess the question, because we're not willing to come, that we might have life, he, he, he's beckoning us to come. But we don't. And I wonder why. I wonder why in my own life I don't come. I wonder sometimes, I wonder sometimes if it's because I know what he's going to say. Right? Maybe I'll pray about a certain situation. And I already hear the Spirit of God telling me what to do, but that's not what I want to hear. Anybody else? That's not what I want to hear. And so I just go, la, 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 and I go do my own thing anyway. I don't come to him and have life because he's not conforming to my image. He's asking me to conform to his. And that is not easy. Right? I mean, that's downright hard. 
It's interesting. Uh, let me see what time it is, see how far I can deviate. <laughs> In the medical profession, they've done studies. In fact, somebody wrote a book, uh, Alan uh, Deutschman. Alan Deutschman wrote a book, Change or Die. Change or Die. And in the medical field, they did an analysis of those who had chronic heart Failure, I guess. I, I, don't know what, I don't even know what it's called. I'm not a medical doctor. But where arteries are so corroded with or coagulated with plaque that to walk up a set of stairs is painful. And doctors have said, if you do not change, you will die. In the studies that they've done... Just take a wild stab at the percentage of people who have actually effected change in their life hearing those very words. 90% of the people choose to die. 90% choose to die. Soak that number in right there. Change or die, 90% choose to die. Why is that? Somewhere along the line, we have settled by practice in believing that change is impossible. Or what we want outweighs the warnings. They tell us that facts and fear are not enough to effect change behaviorally. So we can give all kinds of biblical facts right? Let's bring it down to some of the most basic stuff that you and I deal with here. Food, right? Food. Everybody eats three square, two square, maybe one square, I don't know, maybe six square. I don't know what it is that you do. But we all deal with food. And many of us at the beginning of the year, we come up with a New Year's resolution or a New Year's revolution I'm going to be changed. I lost some weight. Then I found it. (laughs) I said I went on a diet uh, for three weeks and I lost 21 days. No real change. Anybody else identify with that? I'm glad there's some honesty in the house, right? Yeah, why is that? Why don't we change? Well, like those who have heard that they have heart issues, they're not willing. The facts aren't enough. And then the fear factor, look, if you do not change, you will die. And guess what? 90% of them just die because they won't change. So I... I'm like, okay, if that's in the medical field and it's a, real, it's a real statistic, where else? Well, in the criminal justice system, 
similar numbers. Behavioral change, fear of going to jail, fear of fines, and all those things. It's not enough to change behavior. They even did it in the business sector. Our business is failing, but we're not going to change our management style, and they just tank. GM closed a plant with over 5,000 employees because the employees wouldn't change. They just pointed the fingers and says it's management's fault. Management just pointed at the workers on the field and said it's, the, it's their fault. So rather than trying to affect any change, they just shut the place down. It just collapsed. So change is the issue. And I believe that we as believers won't come to Jesus that we, have, that we might have life because we recognize that it means I have to change and I'm not very willing to change. Basic stuff. We talked about food. Now we're going to talk about finance. Basic stuff. Many believers today are in financial dire straits. Sometimes it's because of the collapse of a job. Sometimes it's because of other things that are outside of one's own control. But I'm going to say to you that in America, that is generally speaking the exception to the rule. The majority of the financial issues that people face today is because of debt. Debt. And once the output is greater than the input, you see the collapse is coming right? I miss. <laughs> it's coming. Now, when it gets into a dire strait, that's when prayer requests begin to come out. <laughs> Pray for us. We're in financial struggle. And believe me, if you're here today and you're in financial struggle, you are not alone. Many, 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 many believers. Why do you suppose people don't want to come to the minister with their financial issues. What do you think that the minister's first question is going to be? Say it loud. Are you tithing? How do we know that? How do we know that's going to be one of the first questions? Because it's in the Word. But because we don't want to hear that, because we don't want to confess our sins one to another, we avoid it and we tank. And we know what he says. But we apparently don't believe it. Because if we did, we would simply obey it and watch God take our finances and transform them. Now, my wife and I, we are a testimony. I can tell you, 32 years ago when we got married, we decided that we were going to put God first. We were going to tithe. And we did. And by tithing first meant we couldn't pay some of our utility bills. And some of you would say, well, that's dumb. We said, no, we're going to believe God's word. And we got three months behind. And then something happened that we were unaware of. And it fixed our discrepancy. We're like, what? Praise God. And to this day, so much so that when 15 years ago God called us to plant a church, we were let go. We had no income, no income, no insurance. What we had was faith in God that God had called us to do this work. 
And then God just began to unfold his blessing and his plan. I had made a decision on something years earlier. I had no idea what I was even saying, saying yes to, but there was this elderly woman who used to watch our kids when they were little itty-bitties, Vesta Camp. She was just an amazing saint of God, Vesta. She was just amazing. And Vesta came to me one day, and she asked me to do something. And I said, well, Vesta, I love you. I don't even know what it means, but the answer is yes. You can put my name down on that. Vesta went to be with the Lord. What I had said yes to was being the executor of her will. And I'll never forget when it was all said and done, Mom, thanks so much for all your help back in those days. You helped execute that will perfectly. I mean, it was just beautiful. She had donated her her home that was completely paid for in southeast Portland to the church that we were at. She just donated the whole thing. Her kids had already gone on to be with the Lord. It was just her. But I'll never forget sitting in her attorney's office and... uh, He said, well, there's one more thing to do. And I said, well, what is that? And he says, well, we have to determine what the executor's fee is. And I said, oh, my gosh, how much do I owe? (laughs) That's how dumb I was. (laughs) I'm like, "I I don't have any money to give you. And he says, no, this is your fee. This is what you get out of the will. And I said, for what? He said, for doing what you did. And I said, well, actually, my mother-in-law did most of the work. I said, don't tell her. (laughs) He said, this is normal. And it's on the totality of the will. I said, well, what's normal? And he says, it could be up to 5%. And I said, shut up. No way. No way. And we narrowed it down to, I think, a half a percent. And we got some money. And it paid everything off. And it carried us for like six months. We were like, God, how did you do that? I didn't even know what I was doing. Come on up, guys. Don't be afraid. <laughs> here's, the, here's the point I'm making. If we will believe God, we can come to him. And he will reveal to us truth. And if we will put into practice his truth, God's promises will be realized by you and I. When we translate, you will not come to me, the actual translation can be rendered, you do not want to come to me. You don't want to. And that hurts. When our wants supersede our willingness to obey, we as believers and followers of Jesus are in a very dangerous place. I want to give you three things. Three things about change. In fact, Sam, just bring them right up on the screen. A renewed reliance in Deutschman's book, he says there's a few things that need to happen, three, three keys to change. The first one is, I can't even remember what he called it. He said, I'm going to tell you what he called it. He said, relate. Relate. And this is what he says. In order for you to have change, you need to relate. You need to form a new emotional relationship with a person or community that inspires you and sustains hope. Well, I'm going to put that in biblical terms. We need a renewed reliance on Jesus and the church. The person is Jesus. 
His Spirit in us and the body of Christ, a group that produces hope and says, yes, we can do this together. I'm here to tell you, you can be debt-free. I'm here to tell you, your marriage can be healed. I'm here to tell you that you can be restored with your children. I'm here to tell you that your work and your employment can be fixed in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. It will require change on your part and my part. We need a a renewed reliance on Him. That verse out of Proverbs, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, in all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. We need a renewed understanding of what that means. Not my own understanding, His. I need to rely and I need to believe. And when there's unbelief, I need to confess my unbelief to my brothers that I might be healed so that they can sustain me, that they can hold me up, that they can encourage me and give hope. If you keep hearing the words, it's impossible to change, it's impossible to change, I'm here to tell you it is not impossible. All things are possible to him who believes. All things. Number two, Deutschman says we need to repeat the new relationship helps learn, practice, and master the new habits and skills that it will need. I'm just saying we need renewed routines. We need the spiritual disciplines reestablished in our lives and in our walk with Jesus. The routines. Those things that you and I would say a spiritual discipline. We should be practicing fasting. We should be practicing reading and studying and memorizing and meditating and obeying the Word of God. We should have a prayer life where Jesus says, when you pray, go into your closet, close the door behind you, and pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees you in the secret secret place, He will reward you openly. He'll honor your faith. He'll show you things to come. He'll tell you things to come. Because He's God and He loves us and He wants to. It is his good pleasure to give us the kingdom. We need those spiritual disciplines working in our life. Fellowship, church attendance, reading and studying, going to Bible study, getting involved in a life group. All of those things, the importance. Listen, remember the scripture tells us in Hebrews, it says, do not forsake the gathering together of the saints as it is the custom of many. Even more so as we see the day approaching. We shouldn't be having less church attendance. We should be having more. Right? Our culture is saying less because they're putting extenuating circumstances upon our kids for sports and all of that kind of stuff. And yet the Word of God says even more so. If we know the remedy, we should come to the remedy. And third, he says... Deutschman says, a reframing. The new relationship helps you learn new ways of thinking about your situation in your life. Ultimately, you look at the world in a different way than you would have, and it's foreign to you. I'd say it's a renewed reasoning, a renewed reasoning. And what I mean by that is, I just use reasoning because it it began with an R. (laughs) It's renewing your mind. Renewing our minds. We need to renew our minds with the washing of the water of the Word of God and let the Word of God begin to infiltrate even the way we process and think. That which was once impossible now becomes possible. Can I get an amen? We are more, say it, we are more than overcomers through Christ. More, not less. 
Victory is inevitable because of whose we are. Can I get an amen? I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet this morning. He says, you will not come to me and have life. I feel like we're in a room where we will come to him to have life. If it's a relationship, if it's a personal something with you, maybe it's your finances, maybe it's a job situation, maybe it's a personal scenario, I have no idea what it is, but I'm here to tell you, when we say Jesus is the answer, he's the answer, because it's contained in here, the direction that God will give. By a show of hands this morning, and I, I hope it's every single person here, I really do. Are you willing to come to him to have life in that area? In that area, will you just, by showing, say, that's me. I'm a candidate. I'm a candidate to come to the Lord to have life. Even if it costs me something, if it means I have to change, I'm willing to come and change. I'll, I'll look to have that renewed relationship with Jesus and that reliance. I'll look for that whole routine change in my life. I'm going to begin to institute new disciplines in my life. These changes. And finally, the renewed reasoning. I'm going to saturate my head with the Word of God. Not the fears, not the anxieties, not the troubling thoughts, not all of the stuff that keeps saying no, no, no. I'm going to wash it with the water of the Word. And where the Word of God says yes, I'm going to say yes and amen. Where the Word of God says all things, I'm going to say all things. When he says that victory is inevitable, I'm going to say victory is inevitable. I'm going to walk in the newness of life that God provides for me. If that's you, again, raise your hand and say yes and amen. Hallelujah. Father, we come in the mighty name of Jesus. And we recognize that you are able, we are not. We must stand in the power of your might, not our own. We cannot do it in our flesh. We cannot do it in ourselves. We must do it in you. We must rely on you entirely. So we lean on you, and we look for change, and we say, God, we're candidates. We want to come to you. We don't want the indictment to apply to us. You will not come. You don't want to come. Lord, we want to say, yes, I do want to come, and I really do want to change. I want change in my life. Lord, will you bring about that change? Help us to connect with Jesus in a new and living way and connect with the body of Christ in a new and living way with accountability to see spiritual disciplines enacted in my life. And Lord, finally, that we would have the washing of the water of the Word on a daily basis, just saturating in the Word of God. And when negative, negativity is coming from all directions, I'm going to ward it off with the shield of faith and say these are fiery darts from the evil one and I'm going to extinguish with them with my faith. And I'm going to believe and stand in the Word of God. So Lord, for your glory and for your name's sake, God, we're all saying yes and amen. We say yes and amen. Have your way in this place. Lord, we love you and we give you thanks. We ask your benediction as we tear down church and as we make our way over to Damascus for the update. God, be glorified. We love you. And if there are any that need prayer, Father, I pray that they would know that right up in front here with Chuck and Peggy and others to pray, they, they can come forth and talk and have prayer. And so, God, we... We open the altars, we open our hearts, we say, God, have your way. We love you and we thank you.
In Jesus' name. Pastor Dennis, will you close us with this course? Have a gift. Damascus. 